Hello and welcome to the Marseille View. My name's Stefan and tonight I'm joined by Fiorenzo and Luca. Hi guys. Hello. Hi. And we're also joined by Ryan who makes his first appearance tonight. Hi Ryan. Hello. Hi. Uh, Ryan, just because it's your first time on the show, it's kind of become customary that we always introduce ourselves and say a bit about how we find OM. And your story's a bit different, I think, from the rest of us. Do you want to tell us a bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm uh, 38 years old, uh, born and raised in the San Francisco Bay Area. And uh, growing up, I was never really into football. Um, it was like here, everyone's a baseball fan. I was a big Giants, San Francisco Giants fan growing up. And uh, it wasn't until my early 20s I was living in, in the Congo. And uh, while I was there, I was... Uh, I started getting fascinated by football, uh, following it here and there, watching it when I can. And uh, there was just something about uh, Olympic de Marseille that kind of drew me to that team and uh, kind of became my, my team around that time. But, um, you know, I came back to the States and it's just hard. It was hard at the time to find a community of other fans or find people that, you know, were into Marseille. And it probably wasn't until the last 10 years or so that I've really been able to start to find uh, other French or French speakers and people that are, you know, interested in the French league that, uh, you know, I have someone to kind of talk to or watch matches with. And, um, you know, even my wife, she's a native French speaker. And, uh, you know, thankfully the last few years we've, uh, I found a good community with Arnaud and the Olympic uh, de Marseille San Francisco club. And uh, so that, that's, that's been huge for me just as a fan to be able to, have more people to watch matches with and to talk to. Um, and also my kids are at a French school here in the area. So every few years I'll, you know, we get some teachers that are Marseille fans that come in and that, that that's helped a lot too. But uh, I'm really encouraged by what you guys are doing with the podcast here. Uh, because, you know, as you, as you guys know and admitted, there's not a lot of resources for, you know, non-native French fans. Absolutely. You know? So, uh, but yeah, I'm, uh, I'm right now. This team is, uh, you know, my priority. Baseball's not that important anymore to me. So, um, yeah, I'm super excited. Uh, right. See, when you were yeah. in Congo, were, were Marseille very popular, or or just kind of one of many teams? Yeah, just one of many teams. Um, you know, I don't know what it was about Marseille, but it was just kind of like it was just one of those things where I felt like the team just kind of picked me. You know, like okay, you're going to be a fan of this team. Yeah, and that's just kind of how it was. I mean, I was in Congo uh, earlier this year, and uh, you know, the place I was staying actually had at the bar a big Olympic de Marseille uh, thing up on the wall, which was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but most of the people there that I talked to, you know, they're, they're more La Liga fans. All right, you know, oh, wow. or yeah, that's that's a big thing there in the Congo. Yeah, brilliant. Um, yeah, so um, tonight what we're going to do, um, much like all our episodes, we'll, we'll look at the last match, which was OM Neem yesterday, and we'll also give our thoughts and predictions against for next week's game against Gengam. And we'll also run through some of the recent news stories over the last week. So um, we'll start first with yesterday's game against Neem. So Marseille were up against Neem at home at the Stade Velodrome. Uh, Marseille came away 2-1 victors over what was quite a difficult, a good game, but quite a nervy end to the match. Guys, what were your thoughts on yesterday's match? Um, This game, this game was just one big ball of what the fuck, really. Um, 95 (laughs) minutes of, I mean, apart from the two minutes, always go two goals in two minutes. 
it was really like 95 minutes of WTF, which culminated <laughs> in in that SARS, that SARS like incident. I'm just going to call it an incident for lack of a better word. But it's there was n- you could see that we were technically and physically better than Nîmes, um, due to the fact that obviously they're they're new to the league and they've played three games in the last week. But beyond that, better quality. There was no. You could see that the players really were not used to playing together. They they have way. They're not training enough together. They're not practicing enough. They're not having real meaningful game time together, and it shows. There, it's just a lot of individual attempts to to make a difference, and then you pass the ball, and you and players just say, "Do whatever you want," and then I'll I'll try to get the ball and score. So. Yeah, I mean that, that that's really my my uh, my observation of this game was did anyone really see the difference between Nîmes who's uh who's new to the league and Marseille who's supposed to play for the Champions League spots. Hmm. Uh, what about you guys? You got any thoughts on yesterday's match? How did you find it? Uh we've been very lucky, I guess, at the end of the match. Um if we didn't beat Nîmes, that would be the first time since since uh, 40 years that we didn't beat a, a, a team that knew in the league, you know. So that would be creepy. But um, we've been very lucky at the end of the game. With uh, I think there was a penalty. Uh, I think uh, there, there was no foul on Bounassar. Yeah, it was penalty, definitely. Yeah, but I think the referee just didn't take the risk to to whistle the penalty uh, at uh, Velodrome. Right now, you know, but uh, I, I was re- really glad that uh, Luis Gustavo scored and Dimitri Payet made uh, one assist. I guess, uh, yeah, they didn't play for quite long, but well, that's typical Rudy Garcia. I don't know what he's doing that. So yeah, that's been a very, very lucky game, like every time since one year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Ryan, what about you? Did you did, what did you think of the game yesterday? Uh, yeah, I'm going to agree. Uh, we were definitely lucky. Just, uh, you know, going into the match after the last couple matches we played, I mean, I was I was kind of worried a little bit, which I hate to say I shouldn't be worried against us playing meme. It's kind of how I felt. But, um, you know, I think the team definitely played better uh, than we have been the last couple of games. And, you know, the last few games to me felt more like we were watching preseason matches. And like you said, um, like someone, like Luca just said, like we had not been playing together or practicing together very well. Uh, however, though, I think that um, Gustavo and Payet definitely were huge, made a big difference uh, in the way the game was played. I think that, you know, they definitely, it's weird, even though that Gustavo hasn't been playing, it felt like he had been playing with the team, uh, in my opinion, with him. Um, but it was just, uh, I mean, coming into this match, I wasn't expecting Gustavo to be on the pitch um, and uh, and even play a full, a full game. So, uh I was certainly happy about that. But yeah, we were just lucky to even get the three points just the way that things went. Yeah, but so. uh, Luis Gustavo were, was the best player last year. So how oh, for sure. Garcia can keep it on the bench for so long? I don't understand. Oh, I mean, it's ridiculous. In the press conference, he said he wasn't 100%. And why would I put that's him not in true. if he wasn't 100%? Oh, it's, it's absolute BS. I mean, I agree with you by far. It's, you know... I, I just don't understand Rudy Garcia's mentality with uh, with Gustavo. And, I mean, uh, I'm happy to see him in this position yesterday, and he played where he should be playing. I think he did a great job, and uh, we should have been seeing more of that this season. Hmm. Yeah. This game is... The, 
this game, I keep saying this every podcast, but this game was just the same as the previous weeks when even though we're not good, the, the opposing team is, is even more shocking than us because they don't have chances. And we find a way to, to go, go up 1-0 or 2-0 and then we just give them penalties. But like, I mean, beyond the penalties, we just give them chances again and again and again until they find a way back into the game. And it's just like, are we? it's the what, 32nd game of the season? And we're looking like it's preseason games where, you know, the players are lacking confidence, they're lacking match practice, and they just don't really know what to do with their bodies anymore. And yeah. they just, like, leave a hand. Like, like Kamara is a stupid penalty. I'm sorry, right. but I know I know it's controversial, but his hand has no reason to be there. And it feels like, you know, it's just a bit sloppy. And, and, and it's just, you know, we just always find a way to, to give teams other games. And when it's at home, it's fine because the public forces the Marseille players to go back into the game. But when we're going to play away games against Gengar next week, for example, we're probably right. going to give same same chances and then we just it's just going to go in a negative spiral. Um, I don't know. It, it just pisses me off, quite frankly. Yeah, but for Kamara, um, I think we have a psychological issue. Uh, you know, the mm-hmm. players at the end of the game, they were just afraid because we, are, we were playing in, in Velodrome and there was like 60,000 people, I guess. So they started to think, uh, oh my God, if we, if we, if we can, if they score, we are in deep trouble, you know? And that's what yeah. happened. I think it's, it's just in, in the brain. Absolutely. I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, we, I would agree with that. Yeah. Sorry, Ryan. You're gonna... No, 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 just, yeah, we, I mean, we definitely fell apart those last 15 minutes of the game after Savanier scored that goal. I mean, we just weren't there. And like you're saying, I mean, just they're, they're not in the right mind. You know, Toven during the match. Um, oh, I got Toven. <laughs> God, right? I mean, had he scored the goal, I mean, that, it would have helped a little bit. But uh, yeah, his mentality and his just his attitude just seemed like he wasn't he wasn't there. <clears throat> and, I, thought, uh, I thought actually his game though yesterday was better than he'd been for several weeks, although he, it wasn't uh, a great performance. You're right. uh, it was it, it, that was true. easy. <laughs> no, <laughs> the best thing he made in the game when. It's when he went out of the the team, you know, when he, he got on the bench, when uh, Rudy Garcia just called him on the bench. And you did you see the look, how he looked uh, at uh, Rudy Garcia? No. He looked yeah. at Rudy Garcia with some, I don't know, some angry, some okay. remorse, you know. And <sighs> I think that's the best thing he did in the game. And th- <laughs> I, I think that's uh, that, that shows what every player thinks about Garcia. I think he can mm, sure. stand. I okay. think they, they can't stand anymore. Yeah, yeah. but I actually, I actually applauded Garcia when he took him off. I really didn't think he'd have the balls to take Tovan off. It's just his performance is pathetic. Like, like it's it's just not good enough. You you're talking about a player who's supposed to be like arguably the best player in the team and one of the mm-hmm. best players in the in the league. And I mean. He's he's just walking around the pitch the whole game, and his offside goal, come on! Like I was screaming at my TV. It's it's basic under fifteen football. Like he's on the outskirt. He's literally by by the touchline, and he's got the whole all of the defenders in front of him, so he can see the whole offside line. And none of the none of the defenders are looking as tracking him. So all he has to do, he can literally see the whole game is in front of him. He can see the line and all you have to do is is don't try to to outpace your defender just stay on the line or behind and he, he yeah. finds a way to find himself offside it's just basic football there's no offside trap he just finds a way 
even though he's got mm-hmm. the whole game in front of him, he's, he's just he doesn't have the presence of mind to actually say, okay, let's just stay back. Uh, yeah. This player, this player wants Champions League football. He wants Champions League football. What is he going to do in the team of Champions League football? I don't know. <laughs> Apparently nothing. <laughs> a Poland team or something. Like it, it was fractionally offside. It wasn't. You know, it wasn't. It, it was quite close. He was offside, but it was. Mm. I feel it's a bit harsh on him because I think like he was only like you know his arm, his sort of shoulder. I think was ahead of the the line, so it's kind of. Yeah. But he has I, no I right to be that close. You gotta forgive him for that, you know. He has no right to be that close. He can mm. see that the players right in front of him. Like you can see him. Just don't go past him, or don't just stay behind. Yeah. These these named defenders have played three games in a week. They you should right. be able to outpace them. You're 26. Yeah. But beyond that, I think Tovin is in a, you know his mind is in hole right now. He just he's just waiting to leave. Uh, as yep. you said, he just want to to play in Champions League. But which team is going to take yeah, him to Champions League, or he's right. going to be on the bench? Or I don't know. And the thing I think Rudy Garcia just uh, uh, got him off of, on, of the pitch because uh, what he said because of what he said, you know, last 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 yeah. game. He said something like, uh, we are a really bad team. Uh, we don't have the level to play uh, in Champions League. And everything everything he said was true. But I think uh, Rudy Garcia did not like it. That's the only reason I see. Of course. Um, guys, I mean, you've kind of touched on a couple of things I wanted to talk about. Just to, to go over them again, I mean, there were there were some positives from the game, do you not think, um, aside from Gustavo's performance, um, Dimitri Payet was also, wasn't at his best, but he was quite lively and he did show some some positive signs during the match, don't you think? Yeah, well, just, just I'm just going to say that because about the players, uh, the best player on the, on the pitch yesterday for me, it was uh, Charlie Tatsa. He did a really, really good game. I think he's improving. And, of course, Sakai. Sakai is always great. And I liked uh, Radonjic. I think uh, Radonjic uh, is not... Well, he's, he got improved, but you see he's, he got some skill, you know, the dribble and stuff. But apart from that, I think every player almost was a pathetic last, last game. Maybe Gustavo was... Maybe Gustavo did... A, a good game, but that's all. I think even Payet uh, had some opportunities, but well, he, he's not at at one hundred percent. You can see it. Yeah, um, I mean, I think Payet. I think Payet showed up for the most part. Um, you know, he had some good passes. Uh, the pass um, was German, and uh, you know, I mean, I was I was pretty impressed with his play, to be honest. For him not playing as much as he has been, um, but uh, yeah, as far as solid players, I mean, him. Him, Gustavo, uh, like Fiorenzo said, Sakai, Kletikar. I mean, it seems like they never have a bad game lately. Um, and and my thing, my thoughts with Rajanik as well. I mean, I, he shows a lot of potential. Is the way I was kind of seeing the way he was playing yesterday. But I mean, as far as precision, and he he just he was off too. But um, I mean, I was happy to see him in the game. But yeah, I think I think Payet for the most part had a, had a good game. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I, I see what you, you what you mean about Payet. He, he, you're right. He, he didn't play a bad game, but the thing is, we want to see the the great Payet again. Yeah, you know? I agree. I and agree. it's he's not his fault he's not because he's on the bench for three months. But Absolutely. the problem and is, he, we have Payet, and he, he's such a player. Yeah, yeah it's. I think we you can see through this game. I think both Payet and Gustavo can be put in the same basket. And you, we've been. I mean, everyone's been saying this for, for a while now. When 
you know, you see them, Payet and Gustavo coming off the bench for the last few months, and you can see they're not themselves, they're not making impact. Mm-hmm. And it's just because they're not the kind of player that can, like, come in that 70th minute and then really put, like, a physical impact. That You know, they're 30, yeah, right. and they, they will impress you with their tactic, with their positioning, with their leadership. Not through, they're not like super subs. And you, mm-hmm. you could see the, the bad Payet, and for me, the bad Gustavo in the first half. Um, yeah. Gustavo was, was getting burnt a lot by the midfielders. Payet wasn't making the impact. But in the second half, you can see that they started to get their legs under them. And then, I mean, mm-hmm. you, you see, you you can see the difference that these players make. The passes that the passes that Payet made um, for the for Tovan's goal that was eventually disallowed. It was a brilliant pass, pinpoint was, accuracy. Yeah. The the corner that he did to Jama. I mean, for for if if a player is able to cross well enough for Jama to make to to head the ball, <laughs> that's 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 an A start, <laughs> honestly. Sure. And and Gustavo in the end of the game, I mean, beyond his goal. Second half was really good, really calm presence, and he was he was making good passes. But in the first half, he he wasn't reassuring at all. And now that's when you need to keep them in the team sheet. You you have to stick with the four two three one with Gustavo as number six and Pai as number ten. And you can't change it anymore. They need to stay on the team. But now you have six games left. Yeah, right. it's yeah. just like it's too little, too late at this point. Right, exactly. Yeah, what what right. are you doing this this late in the season? It's ridiculous. Yeah, but yeah. what where, what are we going to do about Strutman? Yeah, that, I mean, that's something I do wonder as well, is how, how, where is he going to fit in if, if you play mm-hmm. Gustavo and Payet? Payet but, um, I mean, surely, well, I think all of us at the start of the season were quite excited about the possibility of seeing that midfield, Gustavo, Strutman, Payet, um, and it hasn't worked when it was very briefly tried this season, but surely with the with the right coach... It could work, but then on the other hand, the sort of worry is: well, these, none of these guys are getting any younger. So even with the right, right co- with the right coach <laughs> next season, are they? If, if they're all still there, are they going to be at that level? I think uh, now for the last six games, we have to to use athletic impact. You know, we have to play with uh, Strutman, Gustavo, and I, I like Lopez. I really like him, but I think mm-hmm. for the last six games, we need. We need warriors on the pitch, mm-hmm. and I think Strutman and Gustavo should be our midfield for the last six games. Yeah, um, guys, um, I just want to cover a couple of uh, topics about the game um, before we before we move on. Um, one of them you touched upon already it was uh, Radonjic's Radonjic's performance. Um, he was very lively, um, had a lot of chances, um, but you know, or, or, as always, he's just you know his final ball, his, his final touch is really poor. He just mm-hmm. feels like he just really needs a bit of luck, doesn't he, to kind of sort of get going? Yeah, I mean, I really feel for the man because the second goal now that he scores, and it is, I mean, it was again, it was an offside, but you just you just feel like he needs that first goal yeah. to be able to get going and get his confidence going. Um, I think in terms of his, of his quality in the first half, I literally he was the best, our best attacking player. I mean, in our front four, you had Payet, who wasn't fit, Tovan, who was walking, and Balotelli, who was walking for the first 20 minutes, and Germain was playing in the midfield. And we were playing, in a way, counter-attacking football, and Radnich actually seemed to fit that the best. And you're right, Stefan, like, he... I can remember two chances that he had, like, the one when he tries to lob the keeper, even though he's, mm-hmm. he's like, one-on-one, and the one when he actually managed to dribble the, um, the right back and then just shoot it with his left foot really far, far wide. And it's 
he, you know, there's good intentions there. Um, and he's got the physical impact. He just, he's decision making at the moment. And I think with confidence, he'll get better. Mm-hmm. But his shooting ability and his finishing choice is is horrendous. He's the kind of he's the kind of player, isn't he, that probably needs a manager like Bielsa or someone who could really like get oh, yeah. the best mm-hmm. out of him, you know? Because he's right. got a lot of raw potential. Oh, oh yeah, he does. Yeah, he reminds me so much of the young Tovin we got from Lille, if you remember well. The yeah. first games, mm-hmm. he had so many dribbles and stuff like that. We were like, oh my god, what a player! But at the last touch, he always just sent the ball uh, um, out of the the goal and I think with some practice and with a good coach he, he can be a really good player hmm. um, yeah so another um, thing I wanted to look at as well about yesterday's game was just the two goals actually both of them were, were quite good goals weren't they <laughs> well no. the first one was a corner the yeah, first one was a corner it was a, it was a good corner a good header ah come on yeah. It's yeah. the, the defender, defender like Jamai is alone the whole corner. How can you leave a yeah. player alone? That's that's Neem's fault. And and the second because goal because that's Jama. <laughs> yeah, but like the second goal, yes, the lob is is like really good from Gustavo, but it's from a deflected shot that yeah. comes back to him and he shoots. Like I, for me, like it's it, it was it was two minutes of of somehow things were going our way, but it wasn't like brilliant. I don't think it was particularly amazing. Yeah, but we've not seen us score many goals recently, and um, it was just quite a breath, uh, a pleasant surprise to actually see us put into what I, what I felt were quite good good goals. Yeah, yeah, I thought they were good goals <laughs> as well. I mean, I don't know what else more to say about it. Like again, like Lucas said, they weren't really brilliant goals, but uh, I was definitely happy to see Gustavo get that goal. Um, yeah, you know, but I, I think... just, it was just one of those things where it's like, oh shit, we're up two nothing. You know, now it's two nothing, and I'm thinking, how much time do we have left in this match? To be able to keep the score, just the way we've been, I think the players like, like the same, you know. Yeah, well, unfortunately, yeah, that is what happened, and that's why we did fall apart the way. And my mentality wasn't the best either after seeing that. But I'm, yeah. I'm glad that fuck that we got those. It was a very stressful after... end of the game. It was, it yeah, was. After the after we scored our second goal, we went back to five at the back with Radonic as a left wing back. Yeah, that's... And it's just like, uh, c- come on, do you, do you not realise with the Bordeaux yeah. game that you need to tell Wadonic to stay as far as possible from our defensive box? Mm-hmm. And it's you go back to the five at the It's typical like, Rudy Garcia every time he does that. Everyone goes know. into panic mode. And it's, it, it yeah, yeah. You're only, you, you know, right, the last 15 minutes, as soon as Neem started coming into the game a bit more, you knew it was just going to be a really torrid end to the match. <laughs> Yeah, and, we, oh my we've God. been very lucky. Before the first, uh, the first goal of Germain, I was like, "We we don't score. We we won't score, and we we're gonna take a goal at the end of the game." You know, that's what I was yeah. thinking because that's always happening like that. But well, we we've been lucky. But every time we got one goal or two goals, uh, Rudy Garcia just like uh, play with uh, five uh, players uh, in the back and just like you know he is just giving. The, the fear to his players. Right. Yeah, he is. And then they, they're making stupid decisions. Like, can we can we talk about Sars' penalty? Because it was Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm sorry, but it's yeah, not a foul. Worked. It's that, not a foul. That was no, going to yeah. be my next question. Sorry. Yeah. But, oh, so, yeah. He, I mean, he, the, 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 um, I think it's Bwanga. Bwanga does step on his foot. But if it was, like, in Nîmes' box and the same thing, the referee wouldn't whistle a penalty for Marseille from for if Bwanga stepped on Sars' foot like that. It's not a foul. Like he he just saw is just panicking. 
and then he feels contact and then continues. And one second later, he's just like, right. oh, wait, if I fall on the ball and I actually pick up with the with my hands, then the, the referee has to say that it's a foul. Yeah. But it's just like, why the fuck would you do that? As you never do that in, the, in, uh, in your goal. You never do that. You do that on the midfield or something like that. <laughs> yeah. But not at this moment. Absolutely. Yeah. That's stupid. I was in tears. I was just like crying. I was like, oh my God, what the fuck is going on? Right. Uh, I think I, I had to ask my girlfriend to get, like, leave the room for a moment at that moment. I walked in the room and I was like, I think it's best you just leave the room right now. Yeah, yeah this is this is why I'm jealous of you guys. I know somebody said something on one of the other episodes about, uh, I think when Arno was on, about how he can get through the day during a match like this without drinking. <laughs> you know, it's like man it's 10 it's 10 in the morning here i'm just starting my day i'm like i can't start drinking now but <laughs> oh my god that was uh that was definitely one of those enders where it's just like shit i'm gonna i'm gonna need a drink so uh, <laughs> honestly it was the longest minute of my life because 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 right. he actually gave a penalty and that, and then you, you did you see Pia's face after it whistled Oh, Paya yeah. was just like smiling and he was like, this can't happen. This is not possible. No, like, this is not oh, happening. Yeah. <laughs> I actually, no. I, I was, I mean, like you, Lucas, I think he, we're looking at it, I think that he just, um, he got clipped and then took a couple of seconds to think, oh, maybe if I fall over, I'll get, I'll, I'll be able to get a foul. And just really, it was, it was just awful, awful decision there's, making. Yeah, there's not a lot um, of contact. No, and it, no, there no, isn't even, because he he barely even flinched when he got stepped on his foot. Like, but you've got to wonder, like no. the referee as well. Like, how did he come to the conclusion to not give a penalty? It was almost. I was thinking, like, did you think he just feel sorry for him or something? Like, just, <laughs> yeah, I was. That was something like that. I'm pretty sure. And after yeah. all that, Rudy Garcia just talks about referees uh, after the game. Yeah, how the, the hell? He How went to the hell? referee at the end, like saying, uh, "Yeah, Savani should have got a red card and stuff." And it's like, mate, mate, honestly, keep your head down and walk oh away from him. Right? <laughs> just sh- shut the f- shut the f word up. I, I was I like, I don't really pay attention to any of Rudy Garcia's like press conferences or interviews anymore. I've kind of just as uh, he, 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 just sound, he sounds like a crazy man. I mean, <laughs> yeah. He, he, oh, that, like, that's re- funny. You you look at you just like that's funny. You know, like a joke, like a big joke, just like. You you saw a joke on the pitch. You saw a game that was a joke every time. And when you see the conferences after the match, that's a joke. That's just the same thing. So it's the yeah. classic, um, you know, of the, the the manager that's clearly on his way down. And every time he speaks to the press, he's just yeah. unable to sarcasm, admit, isn't it? Uh, he's unable to admit where he's gone wrong. You know, it's always everyone yeah. else is to blame. He, but he said, um, he said, uh, oh yeah, we we won two one, but we scored four goals. Mate, yeah. do you know the offside rule? Right. It's offside. Yeah. Like they're offside, mate. They don't count. Like what are you, you talking know how about? This works. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure when uh, Rudy Garcia uh, was born, he he said to her to his mother, "There was a foul." <laughs> Sorry, mother, but it's a penalty. Uh, Your time I'm really sure he said that. Um, going back to um, Bernasar's penalty, um, I yesterday just made really confirmed to me that I I really want him to go. Actually, he's probably the first player that I would sell in the summer. I just feel like although he's not a bad player, Bernasar, I just feel that he's not he's he's not. He's not a great player. Um, he was pretty poor for a long time at Marseille until the last sort of year or two when he was converted to right back. But he's not. He's never going to be a great right back, and he's capable of those kind of calamity moments every so often. I just don't have any trust in him that he's not going to fuck up. 
I'd quite, I don't know if you guys feel the same, but I'd quite happily see him go and get someone with more potential in who can play with Sakai, rotate with him, and maybe develop into a better player. I don't totally agree. I mean, he, he wouldn't be the first player I would sell. But yeah, he's not really good this year, but last year he was really good. I think it's because of the team. If he plays with a better team and a better coach, maybe he can be a good player. Not uh, not improve and be one top player, but a good player, I guess. Yeah, so I wouldn't sell him when not at the first place. That wouldn't, that wouldn't be the, the first player I would sell this summer. Yeah, I don't. Well, I don't think he wants to go, and I don't think the pl- the club wants him to go. And when you no, because when you he, see... he never in he, he will never uh, be in a better team than Marseille. Yeah, you know true. It. No. And and sure. when you see the, the the massive like I mean Zubizarreta is going to have a lot of work this summer trying to shift players out and in of the club. I think if you can keep Sakai and Saar right back, I think it's probably the best way to go. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> the the most important thing is to have a left back. The left back is the most most oh, important God. player because mm. Amavi it's over. Yeah. yeah. Right. Okay. We'll, we'll just. I think we'll we'll move on from the game um, and and sort of think about next next week's match against Gengam. Um, we're away from home, and I think Gengam in the past has been quite a difficult place to go to. Um, how, although they've not they're not having a great season, how do you think we'll fare next weekend? Well, they're the ones that ended our season last season, didn't they? That's the one when we drew three three, mm-hmm. second game before the end. So, do you? What do you guys think the score is going to be? What's your predictions? I don't want to be. Uh, well, I want to win, but I'm not trustful. You know, I I think we're not going to win. Well, there are two possibilities. One possibility: the we we won against Nîmes, so it's gonna you know bring a new spirit to the team, and we're gonna win there. But I don't think so. I think it's gonna be just like the other games, and maybe we can get a draw, but a win there, I I'm not really, I'm not really sure. Mm. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say I think we'll get lucky. <laughs> I hate saying that <laughs> I don't think we're gonna be great, but I think we'll get lucky and we'll win. Uh, I'm I'm gonna say two one. But uh, optimistic. Yeah, uh, well, we yeah, won't have I'm, Balotelli. I'm uh, yeah. Sorry, yeah, I, I thought you were finished. Um, we won't have Balotelli because I mean he's injured and he's also suspended. Um, I think is he not suspended for the the game after or something? I thought. I, no, 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 he's no, suspended for Gengar anyway. Okay. But I guess it's a good time for him to get injured because then he has two weeks to get better. Yeah, um, right. But it's I, I really don't know. I mean, when you look at our calendar. And you compare it to Leon's, like, even though we had a dreadful season, Leon are just as bad. And they have, after this game, I mean, they're playing, uh, I think they're, pl- they're playing Angers at home. But after that, they're playing Bordeaux away, Lille and Marseille. Um, I think if, if we if we get a good game against Ganga and win, I think, I mean, <laughs> please, please don't insult me for this, but I think we could actually finish third. I think... Um, Look at though we're yeah. forgetting about Saint Etienne. Saint Etienne is doing really well right no, now. Right. I don't believe Saint Etienne. I don't believe Saint Etienne. They won three nothing no. against Bordeaux today. Yeah, but yeah, but they got they got a bullshit penalty again to save them. Like it's not. I don't believe Saint Etienne at all. At all. Bordeaux shit. Sorry, but <laughs> well, <laughs> well, how are you expecting Leon to drop points against Bordeaux? <laughs> oh, it's possible, but no, yeah, Bordeaux uh, are good against team. Um, who's um. As someone said it yesterday, when you look at Bordeaux's record at home against big clubs, they've they've haven't lost a game. 
Right. So um, I think my prediction for the Gengam matches, I think it's going to be quite a high scoring game, actually. I think I'm swaying between 2 2 or 3 2, going either way. I go on either way. I could see Gengam 3 2 or 3 3 or something, um, or even, maybe even Marseille pulling off a 3 2 win. Um, if I was to pick one, I'll probably say. 3-2 Marseille. I'm going to be positive and go for the win. You think you're going to score three goals with Jama as a line striker? <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I can't be positive about this team. I think... Well, I hope we're going to win, but I think... We're, well, we're going to see, but I hope we're going to play with... A, we can try Radonjic as a striker. Maybe we're going to... Well, we're going to play as a, a counter-attack. I'm, I'm really sure we're going to play as a counter-attack, so we can try Radonjic uh, as a as a striker because Germain yeah. in this kind of games with uh, such a uh, tall defenders is going to be really really hard for him yeah well guys um, I don't want to jinx myself here but my predictions have all been pretty much right in this podcast since we've started <laughs> down to the scores as well so I predicted yeah I think, you did say 2-1 yesterday yeah I predicted 2-1 against Neiman it wasn't the first time I predicted in the score but as well as the result were right so um, let's hope that I'm going to pick the 3-2 um, well, fingers crossed that it comes through and I haven't just cussed it for us all but um, <laughs> but yeah um, yeah, I'm going to stay positive on this and get I know Gengam have had a little bit of form recently after a terrible season in Govanek is back and it looks like they're starting to stabilise themselves so that's a worry for Marseille and, and not forgetting the fact that although Gengam are at the bottom of the, well near the bottom of the table, they do actually have a pretty good squad, they've got a lot of good decent players there and they're probably underachieving this season so we definitely should be wary of them um, that they could yeah. be a really tough game but, but I think regardless, regardless of, of this, like this is the time of the season now where it doesn't matter who we're playing each team is going to try to get points and it's going to be, like Fiorenzo said, it's, it's going to be the most athletic team that is going to win the game now. Like, mm. each team is going to come out and fight for their lives. Yeah. So it doesn't matter if Gangon's bad. They're going to be playing the season and their careers over this. So, like, it's not going to be an easy, an easy game in any way, shape, or form. Well, I think they've got quite a lot of athletic physical players. Yeah. So that doesn't bode well for us if that's, if, if that's the case. I think we have to play athletic too. Be, well, we have to... You know, to to be at the same level of athletic, you know, and we have to play with Trutman and Gustavo. We can't play with Lopez and Sanson in this kind of game because they're gonna, they're not gonna be strong enough for the midfield or of um, Gengal. Absolutely, I completely agree. Yeah, I agree. And I think I do think that someone needs to send both those two players down to the gym and really bulk up because it's the things that are the, the thing that's really missing from their game is they just don't have the physical aspect. I don't know, Sanson's quite built, but he's just stupid. Like, his positioning is just all over the shop. He falls oh, over yeah. all the time, though. If you, you nudge into him, he always falls over. Yeah, but that's not. Uh, Jim's not going to fix that. He's just clumsy. Upper body strength, you know. But... He's, a, he's a paradox. This game, is, this player is a paradox. Uh, his first touch is always top class. You know, every mm-hmm. time he touches the ball, the first touch is always awesome. But after that, he touched the ball like five or six times and lose it every time. I don't know why. Maybe you can just touch the ball one time and give it a pass. Yeah, right. So um, I think we'll move on from that and we'll start looking at some of the news stories that came up over the last week. Um, first one, um, I don't know if you saw, um, there was um, a couple of stories floating around 
um, that um, Frank McCourt is supposedly willing to keep investing more money in the club at the moment, um, which is kind of, I mean, there's no indication that he's going to spend this summer, um, but there's some indication that he is—he hasn't given up yet, and that he's still will, willing to keep putting the money in. So that's quite a positive sign, isn't it, guys? Well, he, we have to sell first. <laughs> I think we have uh, to sell for 70 million euros, I guess. So I think we're going to sell Tovin and Sanson, and after that, yeah, he can bring some money. But uh, who knows? How, how much money are you going to spend? I don't know. We have to buy a lot of players, and I think it's going to be really, really hard this summer, even with Zubizarreta, because if Zubizarreta uh, is free to, to, you know, to, to buy players, but if we, if, we ha- if we have Garcia yet, well, it's not going to be possible. He's going to, he's going to try to, to, to buy his players, and we're, gonna, we're not going to do anything. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a good point right there. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm happy that he wants to invest. I just, you know, like I said earlier, um, where I grew up, everyone's baseball, you know, and the Dodgers, Los Angeles Dodgers are our rivals. And I know this was brought up years ago when McCourt bought the team, but I mean, God, he was such a shitty owner of Los Angeles Dodgers. And I just kind of, I fear seeing it from my point of view that he's going to do the same thing here that he did in Los Angeles. And so I'm, I'm hoping that... You know, he gets his shit together. I hope that Garcia leaves and, you know, that we can invest in, in good, solid players. I mean, he's saying he wants to invest in assets, kind of like PSG and not so much trying to make money off trading players. So, I mean, we'll see what happens. But, I mean, got all-time number two worst owner in Major League Baseball. Now, he just, didn't uh, he have you know, a divorce when he was a Dodgers yeah, owner? When he, he, he did, yeah. But, I mean, he, he took the Dodgers and, you know, I mean, he, he, you know, made the most money, I think, ever record when he sold the Dodgers. But as far as a team, I mean, it was just left in shambles. I think he was a, yeah. lot, of, a lot of false promises, yeah. That exactly. He- That's the way I see it with him. He's just, he, he's just saying, you know, he's talking out both sides of his mouth. So, um, I hope that, you know, he listens to the fans and, you know, he gets rid of the president and, and manager and we do something different but i think that's really the the thing that's more important the most important thing right now with him but yeah i mean we'll see i'm i'm not i mean i'm not really that interested in finances of like football anymore and and i don't think anybody really knows because before the actual official website published the fact that we were in a 76 million deficit this year um nobody knew anything like so I mean, it's, it's, it's journalists reporting that Mark Court, it wants to invest more. I mean, does that mean transfers? Does he mean right, infrastructure? What, what does he mean? Yeah. Um, how much? Because we're gonna, we're clearly gonna sell Tova, and I think, I mean, I happily take forty million for him, but then you have to buy some other players. Does he mean he's gonna, like, go for another big signing, which clearly is not working with Strootman and Payet? I mean, I, I don't really know. And for me, like, for how I take it is. Uh, how to take the situation is that McCourt apparently um, is very unhappy with the situation and um, is giving ultimatums to Aero and Garcia. And whether that investment is to fire Garcia, then I guess I would be on board for that. But if it's to spend the money just like he has on 30-year-old players with little lookout outlook to the future, then I'm not really for that, to be honest. And I don't think why he would do that. Mm. Yeah, Absolutely. Well. 
he, he he had a bad communication at the first place when he came at the club and said uh, we want to afraid we want to scare uh, Paris Saint Germain they will be afraid to not win against us <laughs> and all that stuff he said well I think he, he he didn't have to say that because now we are pathetic that's, that's the right. truth and now yeah maybe he's gonna spend some money this summer but well when you talk. When you talked about uh, 30 years old players, I think that was a plan at the first place with uh, Ero that uh, he, wa- he wanted to, you know, uh, buy some experimented players so we can go far in the Euro- European Cup. And that's what we did uh, last year. But now we have to buy some young players. And if Zibuzareta can't buy, uh, you know, he, he can be free. Uh, Rudy Garcia is not going to buy some young players. He's not there he's not at Marseille for, for that yeah and I mean him him is saying he's going to invest more is kind of obvious to me because Marseille as a club and as a youth system is clearly not self-sufficient anymore so like mm. what what else what other options has he got he hasn't he hasn't yet made money on his property uh, investments in Marseille so he has got no other option but invest more money the problem no. is how much I, I think um, what's probably going to happen over the next couple of years I suspect it's probably quite similar, maybe to what happened with the Dodgers, and that you'll probably sell them off to some to a bigger buyer. Um, well, that's what I think too. Which could work out a good thing for Marseille in the long run, and it may not. Depends on who comes in and what the project is. But if um, McCourt's um, um, reign in Marseille leads, lead, puts them in a position where they are taken on by someone with or with ambition and with the or some with the financial means then that maybe that's for the best um but saying that i mean when i think about you know Fiorenzo when you talked about what he said when he came in i realized that, that i agree that that makes us look stupid now but at the time it's what it's what everyone wanted to hear oh, and, for sure. and it's still what yeah. we want to hear but and and to be fair to Frank McCourt, he spent the money that he said he was going to spend. You can't. He hasn't lied to us in that sense. He came in and he has actually um, dipped into his pockets and brought in some players. The problem is, is that the guys that are responsible to bringing in the yeah. players and the manager, probably more so than anyone, they've not brought in some of the right players. They brought in some of the right players, and some of them they've they fucked up. And another, and the manager just really hasn't used the players that he's brought in always as well as he could have done, you could say. So I don't know if I blame McCourt for the fact that we're not where we should be right now, which is probably top three. And if we were in top three, we would all be saying, oh, everything's gone pretty well, you know. <laughs> First yeah, season yeah, yeah. we took over, we were like, what, 13th, 15th or something in the league. And then we ended up finishing fifth. Next season, we came mm-hmm. fourth, and we got to the Europa League final. And if we finished in the top three this season, we'd all be saying, "Oh, you know, this project is really progressing." You know, yeah, you know. So we I would be talking so. about it in a different light if we were six points ahead of what we are. Um, and it's very fine margin. So I'm not. I, I'm not. I think it's. I, I wouldn't be too harsh on McCourt himself personally. No, I'm not too harsh on him, but. You know, you can't say something like that when, when you come. We know, we we all wanted to hear that when he came. But the thing is, 
Paris Saint-Germain has Qatar and Qatar can just uh, you know buy everything they want. You can't come and say uh, we're gonna afraid them, we're gonna scare them, uh, they they're not gonna beat us anymore. That doesn't make sense. It's like you know in Liga, Alaves comes and say uh, Barcelona will never beat us again. That that makes no sense. True, but you know Firenze, uh, a Marseille team that has Strutman, Gustavo, Payet. Um, Balotelli, Tovan, even Radio Rami, if he'd said that two years ago when the project started, oh, I, yeah. would, I would believe that team would put the fear into Paris Saint-Germain and give them a good challenge for the title, but it hasn't worked out like that. On paper, they should be strong enough. On paper, they yeah. should have been... You're right. I was happy two years ago when we bought uh, Gustavo, Rami and stuff, but the thing is, when you compare with uh, Paris Saint-Germain, look at the players. They have uh, Cavani, they have Di Maria. It's not the same level. They have Champions League players. We don't have Champions League players. Maybe maybe Gustavo is a Champions League player, but the others are not. And uh, the thing is, uh, talking about, uh, well, uh, about Rudy Garcia, about a new coach, I think the, the, the priority for uh, McCourt is to get a new coach, a real coach. I mean, a coach Absolutely. who's going to work with Zubizarreta on the on on being players. Like I don't know, something like someone like Sampaoli or someone like uh, uh, Einze, some, something like that. Not the typical same French coach like Garcia and uh, Laurent Blanc. They're gonna they're gonna be there for three years and then they're gonna fall down and we're gonna take another one, etc. And it never ends. Yeah. Okay, um, just a few more stories just to cover um, quickly before we finish up tonight, guys. So um, there's been a number of um, links around the transfer market, again, as always, um, around about this time of year. Um, Morgan Sanson is probably the most um, the most notable one over the last week. He was linked with, I think, what was a 42 million euro move to Wolves. Um, Big do, news. Yes, it was. I think it was denied <laughs> um, after. Um, but... Would you be happy to sell him for that price? And oh, for that price, I'll walk him myself to Wolves. <laughs> Forty-two million for Sanson. Like I, I like I. It's, I know it's not real because the the information is coming from. It's not because Sanson's camp denied it that it's not true. Because you know every every transfer rumor is denied by the club, but it's it's uh, Le Disport who came out with it, and Le Disport like are notorious. For chatting absolute bollocks day in uh, and day out, so it's it beyond the thing. I mean, it's it's just like the April Fools with Tova. Um, I don't know if you saw this, but a Tova, like a, a German newspaper, said that um, Tova was signed by Bayern for forty-seven million, and it was actually an April Fools. And and forty-two yeah. million for Samson sounds like an April Fools as well. <laughs> like it's how how on earth or what kind of games would scouts be watching? To recommend Sanson to their team and say, you know what, forty-two million sounds like a, a decent. Um, well, decent in this world is possible. Zembo and Gita for thirty million pounds. I agree. <laughs> in today's market, I think he would fetch about forty million euros if he was sold by you know a, a club that knows how to negotiate, which is something that we are usually not very good at doing over the years. But yeah, I think well, he would. Easily. We're not. We're not. But you could use you know the famous um, underground. Um, networks of agents that Monaco use, you know, to to sell players a lot more expensive than they're worth. But I, I don't know how how that blacklist that Arrow made about um, agents and and mafia agents uh, is going. 
I don't know if he's still um, banning or blacklisting those agents, but I mean, if you want to sell Sanson at a good price, you're going to need to use that underground um, system. Oh yeah, the the famous agent who sold uh, Emiliano Sala, the, yeah. the English Mackay. agent. Yeah, Mackay. This guy, you mm. can you can sell uh, a wood stick with him. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> the thing is, uh, yeah, I think AO is not gonna work anymore with him. So. Okay. Well, even as Zombo, Zombo, they used uh, they used um, Tini Zahavi for for Zombo, who's also known to be a uh, a dodgy agent. But I mean, yes, you, I guess you could. Uh, of course, I'd sell Sansa for thirty million. Um, and if you ask me, I would have sold him last season instead of Zombo. But I don't know if there's going to be any takers. Mm. Um, so there was another M player that was been who's been linked to um, other clubs in in the last week, um, and that's one of our young players, um, a young goalkeeper called I think Amadou Dia, um, who's apparently he's not not signed a professional contract with us yet, but he's been linked to various clubs in the last week like Manchester United I think and I think Arsenal maybe as well as one of them um I mean I know I know like when these stories get floated around quite a lot and there's usually not often not a lot to them but it's quite a good sign isn't it when we're hearing about young players that we've got that might be of a, a certain quality that they're attracting interest from other clubs across across Europe don't you think uh yeah, I mean, obviously, I don't think anyone here has watched um, Amandu Dia play, um, <laughs> but it seems it seems like that literally like a once in a lifetime, once in a generation chance for this player to make it into the squad. He clearly is attracting attention, and when you look at the professional squad, um, Pele is going to be going, Escales will leave, Mandanda is on his way out. It's it's it seems like a golden opportunity for him to become a second keeper. Yeah. Right. So I think maybe we should, the first we should one. sign him. Yeah. Well, yeah. maybe, but obviously not next Remember year. Remember Mandanda from Le Havre uh, when he came. He yeah. became it, the first one. Yeah. I agree. I, I, th- I think we it, we should just keep those players for now. Um, we need. I mean, and you see with Camara and Lopez, the supporters. You know, you always give more slack to the players who are homegrown and stuff. And I'll be more than happy to to kick out Pule, Mandanda, and Escales, and then. And buy for me buy a um, a keeper for now, and then take take Dia as a sub and maybe play him in some league cups and stuff and accept some of the mistakes that he will make, but keep him as a second option. Yeah, what, yeah. which goalkeeper do you want to buy? You have Lecomte. 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 is the best French keeper for me. You so think? I yeah. I was yeah, really, yeah. I was really, um, I was really wanting Marseille to buy him. When Mandanda left the first time, when he was at when Lecomte was at uh, Lorient, and um, he had no money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but he wasn't going for it. He wasn't expensive at the time, was he? And I think he went to Montpellier for um, for not a huge amount of money. Um, but yeah, I thought when he was at Lorient, I, I thought he was a very impressive keeper. But now I'm not so sure because I think you know he's not he's already in his late twenties. I just don't know if it's worth it. I think we might be better off just targeting someone a bit younger. Oh yeah, but with his feet, he's the best goalkeeper in France. You know, now the goalkeepers in the the this generation, like uh, Ter Stegen and those, those kind of goalkeepers, and Onana in uh, Ajax, they are really good with their feet. And this guy is really, really good with his feet. And well, 
I think he's, he's, for me, that's my opinion, but I think he's the best French goalkeeper. And he's not too too old. He's like 27, 28 for a goalkeeper. He's not really old. He can play like that uh, to, I don't know, 35 or 36. Yeah, but look at Mandanda. He's not lasted. He's 33 and he's looking like he's at, he's past it. So. Yeah, but Mandanda, is a, it's a special case because Mandanda had the... Um, was a captain at Marseille uh, back at the time and when he came back he was really angry when uh, Rudy Garcia did, did not make him the, the new captain so I think he's not really 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 into the the, the project I think okay. Mananda is going to leave so I think it's different but yeah the, there's a lot of great goalkeepers in, in Europe and France but the problem is if you want a young goalkeeper can be really good it's really really expensive now you see it with Onana in Ajax it's like 30 million pounds so yeah, who, who apparently it was rumoured in the last week actually that Marcy had you know moved for him in the summer um, and he was apparently, yeah. apparently interested in potentially coming to Marcy but I think Ajax were, what, were wanting too much money and really weren't willing to let him go so didn't really develop into anything but um you know, looking back now, I think we're all thinking, oh, that might have been quite a smart move if it had come to fruition. But yeah. Um, okay, so a um, couple other um, players as well linked to Marseille, in fact, in the last week. One of them was um, Luca Biglia. Be- I don't quite know how to pronounce his name. Yeah, Biglia. Biglia. Um, plays for AC Milan, Argentinian international. Um, quite. He's. He's quite old, though. He's at the end of his career. Um, do you guys think that that's the kind of player that you would want to see at Marseille now? <laughs> not really. Uh, but absolutely not. No. <laughs> Especially, one, he's 33, end of career. He's yeah. seeking a, a last big contract. He's probably going to ask for two, three years of contract when he's 33. And we have Strutman and Gustavo already. What's the point? Yeah, yeah not, not necessary. Yeah, it does, it does sound like that, doesn't it? It just seems like it's... That doesn't doesn't make much sense to bring him in. The only thing that I would think was maybe because potentially Gustavo's going, you know. But yeah, you can think about it like that. You can you can think like uh, Olympique de Marseille is gonna is gonna sell uh, Strutman and Gustavo. They're gonna have some money on them and replace him replace them with uh, Bilia, who's a free agent. And uh, yeah, I think he's he's been a really really good player like five years ago. I think he was playing at Lazio Roma. I think he was a really good player, but now, yeah, he's too old. And I think we, we're going to concentrate on the, on the young players for now. Mm. We have yeah. enough old players. Yeah. yeah. Um, speaking of young players, that um, there's one other player that we've been linked with several times, actually, in the last few weeks, um, from Gengam, uh, Portuguese left-back, Pedro... I don't know how to say his name. Pedro Rebocho. It's not a player that I'm familiar with. I don't know if any of you guys have seen him at all and know if he's any good. I'm not, I'm not really familiar with him. No, uh, no not really. I mean, young, I've seen his but... name. I've seen yeah. his name being played around, but he's, um, I, I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't be against his signing just for the fact that we need a left back. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, when you look at have you seen our track record of left back since uh, Taiwo? It's shocking. <laughs> I mean, apart from the Italian guy from Juventus. I mean, apart from apart from Benjamin Mendy, his his second season uh, with Bielsa, um, because he was he wasn't good the first season, and then he wasn't good with the Mitchell season. I mean, apart from that, you have Decelier, Evra, Ubochan, 
uh, Amavi, um, right. I don't even know who we had after, Morel, like, like, it's, like, honestly, our track record for left-backs is fucking yeah, shocking. So. <laughs> yeah, let, let's yeah, right. uh, To be fair, before table, we were, we struggled as well, because I remember we brought in Lizarazu uh, for a while, and he was terrible as well, because he was too old. He was, oh, yeah, and Nakata was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. And Nakata was the, he, he was the one I, as well with the, who missed the ball during, the, the, I think it was against saint Etienne and it was like yeah. a really snowy game, and he, uh, yeah. Oh, he was social, just, I guess. Was it social? Right, sorry. <laughs> but yeah, he was just, like, awful. Yeah, yeah, well, I think Rebocho is a good player, but it's not that kind of top player. But the thing is, if you see, if you, if you look at the, the European... Uh, uh, Mercato. Uh, now the 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 player with the, the most difficult player to find is the left back, and that's why uh, Bayern Munich spent something like 80 million uh, 80 million euros on uh, Lucas Hernandez, because uh, it's really really hard to find the left back right now. So I think we gotta find it in uh, Ligue 1 because they know the the championship and they're gonna be you know good players. But yeah, then mm-hmm. Pedro Rebocho is not. Never be, never going to be the the top player of Europe. Hmm. I think it's really hard to find ones that can actually attack and defend at the same time, isn't it? That's the yeah. thing. Jordi Alba, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> it's not too expensive. <laughs> I've heard he's, I've heard he's a quite, he's a decent, decent youngster. We should sign him. Robert. <laughs> No, no, Jordi Alba. Jordi Alba, yeah, he's a good youngster. <laughs> uh, nice little player. I think we should scout him, maybe. Uh, I, I heard about someone who's named Messi. I don't know if you know it. <laughs> and, and also, oh, don't start talking about Messi with me and Luca. Um, the, in all seriousness, though, because um, we do talk about the left-back position a lot in this podcast because um, Amavi's been so poor um, over the last year. If we were to bring in a left back, who, what kind of players do you think we should be looking to bring in in the summer? I have no idea. On I don't know. Honestly, left it's, back, it's, it's really hard to find. I think for me, it's the same as it's the same as the the coach. It's not my job to, to scout like decent upcoming players. It, I just right. want ideas. I want I want evidence that the, scout, the scouting team is being listened to, and then you're trying their ideas. Like we're, we're looking at the co- the coach replacements, and then. Obviously, us because we're fans, and obviously we don't have the connections that they have. We try to look at the existing coaches. They, oh, you know, maybe Rafa Benitez, maybe Laurent Blanc, maybe Einser, or, or like for the left backs, maybe Robocho, maybe Conan and stuff. But it's not like we paying people full time to find exciting young up and up and coming players and go to under seventeen games and stuff. And how how has it been? No youngsters coming in or being trialed is beyond me. Hmm. What about you, Ryan? Have you any any ideas about who you'd like to see come in? <laughs> yeah, I'm in the same position. I don't really, I can't really think of anybody off the top of my head. Um, hmm. But yeah, I mean, we need we need someone young. Uh, and Maybe just... Roussillon. Yeah, well, he's kind of. I think he's out of our league now, isn't he? Because I've I've been reading he's doing really well in Germany and bigger clubs are sort of after him. I think Dortmund had read recently were talking about making a big money move for him. So. I think it was too late for him. Yeah, I think actually, I I'd be I don't know how he's getting on, um, to be honest. But I'd be keen to see the young boys like Rockia and um, I think there's we talked about in Kunku, um, recently. Um, I think and even, um, you know, we were talking recently about Kevin Kriwis from uh, the Fosian. He was talking about in Kunku, mm. I think recently on the site. 
in Lithuanian about how about some of his qualities. I mean, I've never seen him, but I'd be keen to see some of the, a couple of these young boys tried in that position because mm-hmm. we might have a solution internally that we that could could um, you know rise to the occasion or at least um, be a good stopgap. You never know. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm all for that, but that's that's going to go through Garcia being being fired. Like yeah. Garcia is never gonna is gonna is never gonna put. Rogia as a starter and then Kunku as the sub. He's going to want a 32-year-old player. Hmm. Yeah, you're right. Well, yeah, I agree. Yeah, we can... Oh, there's uh, another player I think about. Uh, Lucas Lima. Nat. Oh, yeah. yeah. He nearly came in January, wasn't he? He was, he was linked with us quite in January and then it never seemed to disappear. Yeah, he's not, not a bad player. Well, I think it's going to be hard anyway to find a left back. So we have to maybe give a chance to a youngster or... But well, yeah, as you said, with Garcia, it's not possible. Yeah, there's always this South American market, though. They just seem to have players like that in abundance, you know, that come through like countries like Brazil and, and Argentina. So you never know. With the right scouting and the right um, sporting project, you can find people, you know, at low, at low cost. But we just haven't really demonstrated that a lot in, in recent years, that ability to kind of go out there and find these sort of hard-to-find gems. Um, I think with that, we'll, we'll finish up for today. Um, thank you very much, everyone, for taking part. Thank you. Yeah, no worries. Yeah, thanks, guys. It's been a pleasure. Um, and thank you all for listening. And uh, don't re- forget to rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. Thank you. <laughs> Cheers, guys. Thanks. Have a good one. Goodbye. Thanks.